Why do we call this pod racing? <laughs> what? <laughs> you just mentioned let's get our pod on. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't we? And I've been playing, still been playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't we call this pod racing? And then I remembered because when they did pod racing, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the best scene in any of the prequels for testing out a surround sound system. If you, you play that scene and sit in the room for calibrating it. Yeah. If you can if you sit in the chair and you hear the pods going around you properly, it's you know that you've got your system <laughs> tweaked right. It's good to know that prequels are good for something. <laughs> well that one is. <laughs> Somebody posted a question on Facebook, they've got a young kid and they said, What's the best order to show them the Star Wars movies in? Yeah. And there's a lot of theories and, and research around that sort of thing. Do go on. <laughs> <laughs> there's an order called machete order. Yeah. Which is my preferred order for it is four, five, one, two, three, six. Ah, so you end with him saying, I'm your dad. Yeah. And, and then, then you, you get actually, a flashback to why he's his dad. Yeah, pretty much. Machete order is <laughs> four, five, two, three, six. You just don't watch number one. There's <laughs> just <laughs> no need for it. And what it gives you is maintains all the mystery of where the Jedi come from in the Force because you don't have any of the midi-chlorians yep. crap or the Chosen One stuff or any of that. You just start with a dynamic young Jedi yeah, and his fall from grace. Yeah, pretty much. It's it pretty just, bleak, it, man, when you've got a six movies. It's like, what's the best <laughs> way to watch one? Well, ditch one immediately. <laughs> oh, man. And you also minimise the amount of Jar Jar scream time as well. Which is good news. Everybody's happy with that. Do you see that thing that went around online a while ago? I think it was Topher Grace. He just decided one night that he wanted to figure out how to edit films. Yeah. So he edited the prequels together into like a master cut and he edited it down into like a single film. No. And he screened it for like his Hollywood mates who all came out saying, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, it's much better than the prequel trilogy, but because it's LucasArts, you'll never see it. We can never show it. Oh. You either saw it tonight or you're out. You missed it. I like that, that a big great. bunch of sort of Hollywood stars felt that there was another <laughs> reason to just remind geeks that you're not involved. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're missing some human experiences that we are having as sort of rich people yep. in America. <laughs> there was an edit going around on the internet for a while called Episode 1, The Phantom Edit. And yep. it was basically just Episode 1 with all of the Jar Jar Binks scenes cut out or minimised where it was not possible to... To cut them out. I like the initiative of people. You know, the other week when we're talking about taking ownership, I'm glad that people feel that they should get on board and, and do that sort of thing. Cut the film in a way that's not just cutting criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Tell me about your gravy beef roll. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually have anything to say about it, just that it's delicious. Okay. Did, just, you, did you have one recently or nah, is this just nah, I got something nothing. <laughs> that's been bubbling around in your head? You just asked me for what we should talk about tonight and mm. I didn't have anything in mind, so I said gravy beef roll. You said gravy beef rolls are great. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're interrogating me about this. They're delicious. Uh, I do have a weird thing because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> When I was growing up, all my holidays with my dad would be him driving us far away yep. and you'd be in the car for like 18 hours and you're like, can we go to the bathroom? He's like, oh yeah, in another state. <laughs> but he used to love the hell out of uh, like servo food. Yeah. It was his thing. It was like the whole, he would drive us to the Gold Coast <laughs> for like two weeks by the pool or something. Mm. But for him, you sort of got the impression that it was all just an excuse to have like a slap up dinner for two in the roadhouse <laughs> on the way down there. <laughs> 
I don't know, it's hit me in the brain somewhere because now when I'm driving and I, I just can't go past a roadhouse without getting like one of those really crusty old chicken tenders or something. Yep. I'm just like, oh man, so old and weird. So you'd be loving it when you travel for work then. Oh yeah, you man. Put your hand up for all the travel assignments just so you can get into the roadhouse food. Yeah, because what you got to do is you get like one of those old, like the roll surrounding the gravy beef roll yeah. is stale. <laughs> but it's been sitting there so long that the gravy's made it all soggy as well. Oh. So it's like, oh man, it's so I'm not good. Salt on this. <laughs> I'll get I've you one. Never and been you a fan it. of salmonella. Nah, you got to buy it, eat it like a day later. Delicious. Oh. It's like a wafer thin thin crust around just like a weird meat soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> Yeah. And you thought this wasn't a topic. <laughs> well, you said you didn't have much to say yeah. about it. <laughs> I didn't think We've so. We've just knocked just over started. five minutes. <laughs> Once I started speaking from the heart, I think, <laughs> rather than the brain, <laughs> then it just tumbled out of me. Speaking of tumbled out of me, gravy beef rolls <laughs> from a server. <laughs> I have no idea how to segue out of gravy beef rolls. <laughs> you could say that gravy beef rolls are in many ways the original gadget. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? No. <laughs> not, not really. Well, for you, uh, as a fan of gadgets, yep. would you describe gadgets as sort of the gravy of life? <laughs> <laughs> really stretching here. Like, if li- like you know, life is the, the beef roll. Gadgets <laughs> are the gravy. <laughs> should just cut it there and just post it right now. Just going, oh, all right, we're done. Yeah. That's six minutes. We're done. And that's it for the, the podcast. <laughs> Finale episode. In general. <laughs> Guys, uh, we started this podcast to see how far we could push it and we found it. Uh, we're done. It's eight episodes and it finishes on a gravy beef roll. The internet's over. We could all go home. <laughs> oh, dear. My poor internet connection has been uh, under the biggest strain of its life this week. Yeah. I have a little usage graph gadget thing that runs on my desktop that tells me how much of my quota I've used. Mm. And I have some exorbitant amount of data that, you know, I could download the entire internet and store it on a hard drive if I had the space. The graph is a circle yep. and it's it's got sort of a pie chart in the middle which shows you how much you should have used if you were on track to use an equal amount every single day. And then there's a red line around the outside that shows you how much you have actually used. Ah, yes. And normally I've got a big grey pie and a tiny little bit of red because I just don't use that much internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week my red is actually past my grey pie. It's not a phrase <laughs> I expected to hear this evening. Not a euphemism. Yeah. Because I've just been going mental with 40 bazillion different computery things happening for me this week. Yeah. And I've had a massive week of gadget porn because I've got... Uh, <laughs> New new operating system updates from Apple for my laptop and my home computer. Uh, an update for iOS. And I've bought the new Microsoft Surface with Windows 8.1 and sexy touchscreen goodness. So there was a point last night which some people may find a little sad, but I was quite enjoying it, which was me sitting at the desk downstairs with a laptop, the Surface, my big screen connected to my main computer, the iPhone and the iPad sitting in front of me, (laughs) all updating at the same time and me just sitting there twiddling my thumbs, watching five different progress bars go across the screen. And the thought did cross my mind of what will happen if all of these fail and all of these (laughs) devices get bricked? And then I remember they had an Android tablet in the bedroom, so I would have been safe. I could have 
dialed for help. <laughs> Skyped someone. Please come over and save me. All of my toys are dead. I like that uh, what relieved your ball of tension about what if I don't have any devices to play with later was only relieved by the existence of another device. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As you would be aware, I am just an Apple guy. Beach. I used to have an Android phone. Well, yeah, yeah it's fair. <laughs> Um, I think when I was a kid, I used to, you know, I had a computer in the corner of my bedroom that was, you know, Windows 3 point whatever it was. Showing your age now. Yeah, I know. And it didn't have the internet and I just used to play Minesweeper or whatever. Lemmings. Yeah. But back then, I would have described myself as a computer geek in terms of like I would fiddle around with it and play with DOS and try to learn how to create stuff and codes and was interested in the guts of the thing. But these days, I'm just... I don't know. I'm the the person that Apple is marketing to in terms of that I'm into technology and I dig on it and I want the shiny things, but I just don't have the wherewithal to sort of get involved with it on a that foundational level. So Apple really appeals to me because it just works, yep. but um, proper nerds are always like looking down their nose at me because I'm like, yeah, I can't actually program Look, anything. I'm a little bit in the same boat in the sense of I'm probably a little bit deeper on the, the tech knowledge because I spent so long writing software, but the days of putting together my own computer and tweaking settings and stuff like that are just gone for me. Mm. I went in to buy uh, some cables the other day from a computer store and they had all the sort of parts and crazy-ass cases that you can put super-duper cooling and whatnot so you can overclock and play your games at maximum frame rate and it's super photorealistic and wow. And I just went, eh. It's just all too much effort. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the sealed unit now. I, I, I buy a lot of Apple stuff and, and even the new stuff coming out of Microsoft is just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your name in and away you go. And I think it's because I spend so much time, I've have spent so much time playing with computers for work. Mm-hmm. I just can't be asked anymore. Yeah. I just want to get on with it and you know record a podcast or do some writing or browse the internet and that's about it. I used to really obsess about making sure that the computer I was buying had like the specs yeah. and the stuff yep. and everything. And these, like the other night, I was like, I reckon this iPad would probably do me. Good, like, way, good way to get out of editing podcast episodes. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I mean, there's obviously stuff that you can only do on a laptop, but in terms of raw power, I don't really need much power. It's becoming less and less, though, and especially with some of the stuff that you see Apple doing now with the new phones and the new iPads. You're sort of getting desktop class performance out of a tablet like that. So, bad news for you, bucko. If you buy the new <laughs> iPad, you can probably still edit podcast episodes in GarageBand on that. So, there will be no escape. Oh, well, I'm going to get the uh, the Android Alibi, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a cardboard box that, that I can fit in when you come over. That's actually a pretty cool name for a device. The Alibi. The Alibi I'd buy that. Yeah. Buy that. It's a fo- it would be a phone focused on privacy. Yep. Uh, so that it generated a bunch of false call information <laughs> or false text messages or false GPS readings so that you could trick your spouse where you go, that would be sold to people that were having affairs and stuff like that. And you could, <laughs> I got the Android alibi, but the, the other half doesn't know about it. And they go through your call log and it's, oh, yeah, you know, Johnny, yeah. Johnny was at work late. There's like two logins. No, yeah, nothing sus going on here. Wow, that's the creepiest thing I've ever <laughs> heard of. But there's probably a market for oh, it. Oh, no doubt. There's a website for, um, I can't think what it's called. I was reading about it the other day. It's basically an internet dating website 
for adulterous people. They, if you want to have an affair with other people who also want to have an affair, you <laughs> jump on this website and they do matchmaking. And what it just and says that on the tin. Have yeah, an affair. Yeah, it does. I think it says guarantee your affair or something like that. They're not. They're not backwards coy about and the whole thing. Forwards. No, it's a pretty distressful state of society. I think. Yeah. Where Let us facilitate your marital infidelity. Yeah, that's gross. It's like I, if you're going to do it, we might as well make a dime off it. Yeah. <laughs> Get our alibi app coming soon to the alibi store. <laughs> or like a program that um, you press a button, and I'm sh- I'm sure I've read that this exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like a program where you just press a button and it just immediately brings up like a half written spreadsheet or something. So it's like no. a quicker version of Alt Tab if your boss yeah. walks around the corner and you're just on YouTube <laughs> or something. When I was a teenager, living at home, and my girlfriend used to come over when I was sort of. 15, 16 kind of thing, and you're doing the things that 15 and 16-year-olds do. What I used to do was turn the Super Nintendo on. My mum listens to this podcast. This is not going to end well. (laughs) We can edit it out. Never going to happen. My favourite part of doing the editing is when I get up to the bit where we say, we'll just edit that bit out, and it's always so good that I leave it in. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, I used to... You're about to make a huge mistake. I was. Let me continue with that. Uh, I used to turn the Super Nintendo on and get halfway through a level of a game and then pause it and then make out with my girlfriend and then as soon as you heard the doorknob start to turn, jump up and <laughs> unpause the game and just pretend that you were right in the middle of yeah. a game of Super Mario. Justin's really sort of flushed about how well he's doing in that level of Super Mario Brothers like 3. The red Yoshi. <laughs> the most impressing part about that story is that your girlfriend obviously bought in. Yeah. Like, did she sit there patiently while you got halfway through a level and then you... Because it's quite a I'll, bit of ceremony. I would set it up before she came over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you talk about when we say, oh, let's edit that out, and we never do because it's yeah. awesome. It's the same as when I used to work at the newspaper in Broken Hill, and whenever someone would come in and would be like, oh, look... uh, I'm appearing in court on Tuesday just for DUI. It's not a big deal. Why don't the police have something more important to do? Um, so can you just just not put me in the paper because it would be really bad? I don't think people understood that the way journalists work <laughs> is if you come in and say, do not come to the court on Tuesday, that will go like... <laughs> Thanks for the hot and, tip. Yeah, above and beyond to be there. And we didn't have enough people to be at the court every day. So we'd have to like, oh, well, we can't go on Wednesday. We can only go on Tuesday when that bloke said not to go. We know that Steve's getting a DUI. Let's head down there. (laughs) What's it like getting paid to ruin people's lives? (laughs) Oh, it's enjoyable. So the segues are just not happening tonight. (laughs) No, that's right. It's like when the creator of the segue fell off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he said as he went down. He was on the news. Is Um, that a true story? Uh, I did hear that the inventor of the Segway or the CEO of the Segway company or whatever. Oh, the Segway. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the inventor of the word Segway. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been a long time ago. Well, because can you imagine if you were the inventor of the word Segway and then you were at a dinner party and you said something and you couldn't think of a Segway, you'd probably be so embarrassed you did jump off a cliff. Probably. Because you'd always be remembered as the guy, oh, you invented it, but you can't even do it. So embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who owned the Segway company drove a Segway off a cliff? That's what I heard. I've done no research. No, that's got to be an urban legend. I'd like to believe that it's true. Have you ever been on a Segway? I haven't. They are 
the coolest thing in the whole world. I liked. I I always daydream about doing my like five kilometer trip to work on one. Just the idea of like leaning forward slightly for like twenty minutes while I just troll people who walk. It's really enjoyable. You've been on one? I have. When I was living in Adelaide and they had one of the auto shows on, I went with some friends to that and Segway actually had a a stand there because they had sort of other modes of wheeled transportation. Yep. So Segway had this sort of little arena that was probably about as big as this room that we're sitting in Mm -hmm. and you could just sort of get on. It had all cushion barriers around it so (laughs) no one could just – Get on the Segway and just drive off. Not that yeah. they go very fast. But yeah. yeah, you could go in and hoon around on it for five minutes. So I went, it was quite disconcerting at first. But once you get the hang of it mm. and you forget, you sort of forget that you're on it and you just sort of use your body almost instinctively, it becomes a really natural thing to kind of steer it. Well, I do know because so. I read about a lot about them when Arrested Development came out. Yep. And yeah, there's a lot of material around there of interviews from the creator just really just tripping balls about the fact that they're not amazing, like in terms of they never took off. Yeah. He was just always – you could tell, like he invented it and it sounds like what you're saying. He invented it and was like, this is a really intuitive, wonderful yeah, way to get around. And then the whole world, just every – he'd go out and go, look, this is the, this is the thing. This is mm. what we need. And everyone's like, no, I can't be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he just did that forever until he died. Yeah, until he drove off a cliff. Yeah, potentially. It's, it's Asterix, of, don't know for sure. It, it's one of those gadgets that if I had oodles of disposable income, if I won Lotto tomorrow, I would buy a Segway straight away just to, just to ride around on because <laughs> they are so much fun. Yeah. But for, for 10 grand, I think they retail for now. Mm. I can't sort of justify that sort of expense, not when there's so many computers to be bought. And it's true. Speaking of, so we got as far as you're in the room, you're updating everything that was ever born at the same time. I think I'd kind of finish that story. It really? all worked. The, the end result is it all worked perfectly. Yeah. But my, what was good? My only downside was that Apple have removed the podcasting functionality from the newest version of GarageBand. Oh, really? Which kind of upset me because that's Have what you ever thought of doing a podcast? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Uh, but everything went smoothly and I'm very happy with my new Surface toy. Poor old Microsoft. I'm a bit of a Microsoft fan, but Microsoft get a lot of hate from the tech community in general. Mm. There's a great article I read the other day written by a guy who works at Microsoft answering the question, what is the worst thing about working at Microsoft? The first thing that he talks about is how people don't really understand how much of their lives is influenced by Microsoft technology. And I think because consumers look at consumer products and they go, oh, the iPad's really popular or whatever, but uh, what they don't see is all of the stuff that happens in the background, medical medical imaging devices, a lot of them run Microsoft software. Uh, A lot of cars actually run uh, Microsoft-written software that they write for the automotive industry. When you get a parcel delivered, the logistics software probably runs on a Microsoft platform. Uh, there's there's all this sort of stuff that you don't see as a consumer when you go, oh, I'm going to buy a laptop. Uh, you don't see all the other stuff that's that's gone on in the background there. And so he talked about how hard that is to deal with working for a company that's got the perception of being non-innovative and not cool. And yet they're probably responsible for a humongous amount of technology that goes completely unseen and makes life easy for everybody. ATMs is another example yeah, and that poor have, guy's going to every dinner party and they're like, oh, your company's a bit boring. Yeah. You've never done anything worth it. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Uh, and uh, then he talks about the second worst thing about working at Microsoft is having everybody ask you about what the worst thing about working at Microsoft is. 
I went into the office today and pulled out my new purple type cover for my Surface and I went, this is the last gadget that I'm buying for quite some time. And everybody just laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I can't really blame them for because... You're more gadget than man. Well, I am. I am. Yeah. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I think the next thing after a segue is probably just going to have to be to build an Iron Man suit. Because... <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the last missing gadget. I keep watching videos of where the US military is working on, oh, we've built a real-life Iron Man suit, and they're getting close. Yeah. I'm totally going to get one. That guy would love – imagine if that guy's at the dinner party and people are like, what's the worst part about working at Microsoft? And you just land next to him <laughs> and be like, Microsoft <laughs> runs on Microsoft. And everyone's like, oh, we love you, guy who works there, and you, Iron Man. And you just fly away. Iron Man suit with a big Windows logo on the front and yeah. then it blue screens mid-flight. <laughs> I know I've had conversations in the past of people going like, oh, Microsoft doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like – well, I can certainly report from sort of white-collar office land yeah. that they're doing all right mm. because everything's Microsoft ever. And if nothing else, when the business community runs on Microsoft and it's just – there's no point in – they're not going to throw everything away and rebuy Apple things. No. So if nothing else, they'd be loaded and doing great. Yeah, they've got a few dollars in the bank. I think. And I think – I probably had a similar perception to many people in that – at home, I always had the shiny new Apple thing. And at work, I had whatever Microsoft put out about 10 years before. <laughs> That's fairly standard. Yeah. Like I was, you know, when I started in the paper, as you know, in 2000, I was writing in DOS, uh, which was <laughs> confronting to me. Pinnacle of technology. Yeah. And made me feel like older at an accelerated rate. Because when I got there and I was like, oh, DOS, that's a bit outdated. And then by the time I left in 2010 and like work experience kids are coming on going like, what's that? I don't even, like they just didn't have any idea what it was. was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm so old. My hip hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so t do you like Windows 8? Because it's one of those things that I've only talked to people who saw it once in a shop or they got it put on something and they've never, they haven't had any idea about it until it's in front of them and they don't recognise it and they go, that's awful. I don't like change. Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I think uh, as a Windows product, mm. it's really good. I think what throws people off is that it, it does look quite different in a lot of ways. If you don't use those different parts though, I don't really find that they get in the way. I spend a lot of my day in on the desktop using desktop applications and... I don't notice a significant difference between that and Windows 7. I notice that it's faster and, and works more reliably, but... Because up to 7, it. it was the... It it's would be the operating sort of system paradigm. I would be familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, they've, you know, they've changed a lot of stuff so that you can use it on an iPad-like device and Microsoft's vision is really to capture that section of the market because they've lagged so far behind for so long. In tablet mode, I haven't dug that deeply into it. I'm, I'm thinking the Surface thing is, is going to change that. I like it because I can scribble notes on it and it actually recognises my handwriting and turns it into text and stuff like that. Solid. Can't do that on an iPad. No. Uh, yeah, look, I'm a fan. It gets a lot of bad press. I have this real issue with the tech press because mm -hmm. you either get people that are journalists that don't really get tech Mm -hmm. Or you get people who really get tech but don't really understand journalism. Yeah. You sort of don't get... Journalism's just angry rants, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> that and <laughs> ruining people's lives by publishing their DUIs. Yeah. They shouldn't have drunk and driven. Correct. The decision that was made was made by them. 
before I ever met them. <laughs> Retroactively <coughs> defending myself. That's it. Absolved of all responsibility. Yeah. So with the tech press, you get the the journalist guys write at a very sort of shallow, superficial level because they don't really understand what they're writing mm. about. Uh, one of the reasons Apple gets so much press, I think, because yeah. they master that sort of shallow level of stuff. They do the best sort of stand-up keynote thingamajig. Yeah, which media, allows, media darling. Yeah, which allows the sort of journo who's just pulled the straw of the day to go and do the tech stuff to just get the whole story and leave. It doesn't really require any work. That's the sort of stuff that you see on the likes of news.com.au. Not that I want to... Fire, so mad at those guys. Fire any shots at them or anything, but I did attack them on Twitter the other day and told them that if they gave me a job in their tech department, even if I did it blindfolded with no writing ability, I would still be better than most of their tech journalists. <laughs> so I hope but someone not to out fire there any shots. No. Um, so that you know, my comment just then on the podcast is mild in comparison. Shazam. Uh, and then the opposite that you get is guys that are sort of hardcore tech, and then they don't have. Any sense of maybe as a journalist I should write something unbiased? So mm. they end up just writing opinion pieces where they either sit firmly in the Apple camp or the Microsoft camp or the Google camp and they sit there and go, everything else is shit. Yeah. And you go, well, what about this good thing? No, <laughs> Apple did that and Apple's crap, so therefore it's crap. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've got no time for that. I'm biased and single-mindedly opinionated enough <laughs> by myself. I don't need to read it in the press. Indeed. I get really bored of that whole dynamic and it goes across uh, everything. Yeah. Like if you like Apple, then you have to hate Windows or Android or something. If you use Google, you're not allowed to use bloody Dropbox or something. Yep. I think I probably hung on to this whole console thing longer than you and that was definitely when the the Wii and the 360 and the PS3 came out. You've got to pick a camp. Yeah. And I, admittedly, like I was still in Broken Hill where there's not a lot going on outside. So I ended up with <laughs> a PS3, an Xbox 360 and a Wii. Admit, we got a Wii because uh, it launched with Zelda. Yep. And needed to buy it because Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got given an Xbox 360 because everyone else I knew had one and they had a spare one and they just wanted to play Call of Duty. Mm. which I appreciated deeply and unfortunately never ended up playing Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad about it. And then we bought, uh, well, Eileen bought a PS3 because Little Big Planet came out and it had like cute little sack people and you could build I love stuff. a sack person. Mm. So we ended up with all three consoles and on that day it really unshackled me from that debate Yeah, because up until then, like when I started with a Wii and everyone else around me bought Xboxes and PS3s and it becomes this narrative about almost graphics yep. versus poops on screen or something. And I was like, look, I just like the Wii, but that doesn't mean that the others are not good. Yeah. Can I just like it? Can't so it was we almost just get along? Yeah. So it was only the extreme of owning all three that I was able to go, look, I can't in good faith continue this debate because it's all the stuff. Like if... Are you... I, I have a feeling that what you're doing right now is putting that on the public record... So that when the next generation of consoles <laughs> come out in about four to six weeks, yep. you're going to have a really good excuse to just go and buy all of them. Exactly. <laughs> I have to. I'm, I'm onto a good thing. It's interesting. There was a thought, I don't know where it came from, but the idea of being defined by the things that you like rather than the things that you don't. Then we talked about this last week, didn't we? We did. I'm sorry. Maybe. All right. I apologize. I feel like we have had this conversation with microphones in front of our faces. But that's the thing. I get really bummed out when I'm like, hey, like, you know... I got a new phone, for yep. example, and it's awesome. And have you seen this thing? And people are like, yeah, well, that's crap. 
or even if we're on the same team. Like, if I've got a Wii and I'm like, shit, like, I got that, Mario Galaxy, mind-blowing. Yeah. The amount of creativity in that game, like, mm. create so many little planets and you're upside down and stuff. A, it's frustrating to be talking about that and the person you're talking to is like, oh, no. Nah. It's only 720p, man. Therefore yeah. it sucks. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, I would go to EB Games and I'd go, hey, can I trade in this Wii game? And they're like, only for a PS3 because anything else is shit. <laughs> And that Did someone in store actually say that to you? Yeah, man. There was a guy there who loved PS3s, and if you tried to do any Wii stuff, he'd be like, "That console's terrible." And I'm like, "I mean, that brings up a whole other conversation about customer service, and maybe you should not buy that there." And I think that guy was like one of the first employees, and he disappeared forever. Um, I assume he's alive, but but we hope not. Yeah, <laughs> but it's equally frustrating to be expressing joy at something yeah. and someone is on the same team in terms of I like that thing too but still feels the need to define it in opposition to the other thing that you both hate, Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yep. Like I much prefer to just be like, this is awesome. Mario's on like a planet and he's upside down and he jumps and he goes up and the gravity and what the hell, like <laughs> physics exists, this is crazy. Um and I don't want to have to go, and I love it so hard because Call of Duty sucks. Yeah. Like, it's just a, a downer. And I know it's ridiculous like, because we spend a lot of time saying, Marvel comics are awesome and DC's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we do say a little bit too much of that. Mm. What do you think about that? I feel like there's a big tension in terms of it's such a celebrated part of geek culture to just troll just stuff and slag off on it. Like, we started talking about Star Wars and the prequels and everything. It's- it's kind of depressing, isn't it? I, mm. One of my favourite quotes from Steve Jobs just after he came back to Apple and Apple was fucked at the time. So I can say that because we've got an explicit rating on this in iTunes. It's true. A- Dick and balls. <laughs> <laughs> so Apple was on the verge of extinction, although the Apple apologists in the media will tell you that that was never the case. No. Uh, so Steve... They've been there since the Garden of Eden or whatever. That's right. That's why the bite's missing. <laughs> So Steve sort of set about turning the company around and he did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And there's you can get this video on YouTube. It's his keynote announcement where he, he unveils a whole bunch of things. And he says there's a misconception going around that for us to win, Microsoft has to lose. And I don't think that that's the case. And then he announces that they've cut a deal with Microsoft. Microsoft have invented... Um, invented? Microsoft have invested a bunch of money in Apple and bought shares to keep them afloat and they're going to continue to publish Microsoft Office and Internet Explorer for the Mac in order to sort of help keep the Mac competitive because they didn't want Apple to fall out of the marketplace. And so I really like that idea that why does someone have to lose? Can't we just enjoy... Marvel Comics and not hate on DC. I shouldn't have used that as an example because the next time we hate on DC, we're going to look like hypocrites. But mm. yeah, I don't. I don't think that liking something means that you have to hate the opposite. I'm a big fan of people say, "What tools do you use?" And I get in a lot of trouble sometimes because I work for a Microsoft software partner and I have a bunch of Apple gear, and I've had <laughs> numerous arguments about I use what is good for the job or what I like. It's not. It's not a religious debate. I'm not an Apple guy or an Android guy or a Microsoft guy. I'm somebody who's gets a little bit moist over technology and <laughs> <laughs> likes it all. No, and it's something I struggle with because I love a rant. Do uh, you? I love a good rant. Uh, and I'm quite happy to like just complain about stuff. Yeah. It's really cathartic. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it is a really big part of that sort of 
geek mindset about this is bad and because being a huge geek nerd is sort of about it's almost about investing emotionally in an inappropriate fashion yeah in many ways like it's probably not the best idea that i'm so emotionally invested in the x-men for example but you can see how people like they love stuff and then their toys get broken yep and they just lose their shit yeah so I, i do always struggle with the fact that that's the reality and i am that guy but I do not want to be... It's easy to like tip all the way over and just be like, all I am is a hate machine. <laughs> you know? Like, this. there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. I'm like, I hope it's awesome. And I can say in one hand, those prequels, not enjoyable, but... Not as enjoyable. They were there's good parts. Yeah. Then I used to, before every of my HSC exams, yeah. I'd wake up. And I would, after I get out of the shower, I would press play and I would have my VHS of Phantom Menace queued up to the beginning of the last lightsaber fight between uh, him yep. and Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, and I'd watch that thing all the way through. And, and then I'd be G'd up to go and HSC my face off. <laughs> that was your psych up, was it? Yep. Got a score of 77, so... Oh, yeah. You can't fault that. Thanks, George. Yeah, exactly. It's the only bit I ever watched again. I think it was, uh, you know, if you watch that VHS tape now, it'd just be pristine until that lightsaber (laughs) battle. Then it'd be wafer thin. (laughs) As long as the pod scene's intact so that you can calibrate your surround sound. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember having to rewind tapes? Yeah, it wasn't that horrible. Cray. Speaking of tumble out of me, gravy beef <laughs> roll <with> from a <laughs> server. <laughs> that might be the Easter egg, I think. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I'm not a good person. <laughs> <laughs>